You are listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast, produced by the Father's House Church in Oroville, California. I'm Luke, and we created this podcast because we want to explore Christianity the way that Jesus intended it to be. If you're interested in joining us on this journey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, or for more resources, check out changeoroville.org. Welcome to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. I'm Luke, your host, and I'm joined by Steve Orsillo today. Yes, I am. He's back from his vacation. It was awesome, Yosemite. It is beautiful, and unfortunately, some of it's on fire right right now, or just near to it. Not Yosemite, no, the so town of the town near there, Merritt, thirty miles, twenty-five miles from Yosemite, okay. but the smoke is sure going there. Yeah, saw the photo that Vicky posted. Yeah, but, again, those fires are such a yeah. blessing to us because yeah. the one that was before we went, everybody said, "Are you going where there's a fire?" And we said, "Well, it's not there." Right. But there were no crowds either because that makes sense. Crowds were way down yeah. for Yosemite in July. Yeah, and then, um, and then the then the second fire started and nobody came for this weekend. Hmm. Well, so we were in a campground. Yeah. we were in. A, we didn't go to Yosemite on the weekend because we didn't have a pass. Right. But um, we we were in a campground that was half full. Well, because nice. people are afraid of the fire and it was a long ways away. That's awesome. And we've been in the midst of fire, so we. You know something about that? Yeah, we didn't want to be in yeah. smoke and ash, but uh, yeah. it never came. So That's awesome. Praise the Lord. And Vicky is not with us today, but uh, she'll be back soon. And uh, we are motoring through uh, the book of James. We're in chapter four this week. We just got this one and then James five. And then we're actually reached the end of this season. So that's exciting. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, time is flying. Time is it? flying. Last time we talked about uh, taming the tongue, which was a challenge. It's it's hard to avoid controversial things when you study James. Yeah, he likes to keep it. Cuts but it then again, straight. it's hard to avoid controversial things when you study Jesus. Right. Yeah. What's interesting about the book of James as well, I was thinking about it, is that James's uh, epistle, his letter, is one of the the first one's written and like already from the, the start of Christianity there were already a lot of these issues that we still see today are we're going already it's that is what's amazing yeah. it's it's very this this particular chapter yeah. is identical yep so let's uh, dive in all right uh what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you this is James 4 verse 1 onwards is it not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with God, sorry, friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. But he gives us a greater grace. Therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves in the presence of the lord and he will exalt you i think we'll pause there good grief <laughs> let me to remember 
Well, we can break it up into chunks, wow. but I think we we start with the uh, that. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Yeah, it's envy. Yeah, it uh, it's it's the pleasure. It's envying. You know, one one starts having pleasure and says, you know, it's okay with God, and it says, oh, I want that too. Then, mm. and you start to envy. What envy is is the desire to have what someone else has. Right. And then he says in here, you, you, you can't even get what they have, so you commit murder. Wow. You can't get what they have. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Yeah. So they causes all these problems because someone said it's okay to do something. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is the poster child book chapter that you would use today if you wanted to follow Jesus the way Jesus intended it to be. Yeah. What we're trying to do here is how Jesus intended it to be. And James, I mean, he made enemies. He was martyred early. Right. And this is why, because he didn't fall back from the truth. And he told it like it is. You, you, why don't you repent? And he said, why don't you mourn? Be, why don't you try being sorry for your sins and not do them? And be holy, because God opposes the hum- the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why don't you bow your knee and be humble? We love that. God opposes the proud. <laughs> we use it for pride, but it's not about pride. It's about the the statement that sin is okay and that grace is big enough for me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's ta- what we use today as taking for granted. Are you taking your wife for granted? You taking her love for granted? This is the taking for granted of all time here. That well, I can sin, God will just forgive me. Well, I can, I can, I can have what I want because God's grace is big, mm-hmm. you know. And it and it is really true, but today's Christianity mis, misplaces it, misappropriates and mis, you know, misuses it. <clears throat> I don't know how you can believe these things, like how common it is to say, I need to act like the world to be able to preach the gospel to the world. They won't listen to me if I don't act like them. Mm-hmm. You follow that? Yep. And Grace, I mean, he speaks to that too. The, you cannot be a friend to the world. Yeah, friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Hostility towards God. That's not pulling any punches there, man. He is really on it. Yep. And I, I just got to stop for a moment to remind Everybody, if you haven't listened to me before, I desperately want to be a biblical Christian. And therefore, since I know it is contradictive and it is it it, it can it can be used to a, to prove anything. It has been used for wars and rumors of wars. It's been used to destroy people as much as save them. The Bible has right. the gospel of Jesus Christ has never destroyed anybody. Man's use of the Bible has destroyed many. And I, saying that, want to be a biblical Christian. And this is Bible that you cannot get around. To be friends with the world is to be hostile towards God. And so that just puts to bed the whole idea of I have to be worldly to preach the gospel to the world. I have to look like them. I have to defile myself like them. I have to, and and in this case, he's talking about sexual immorality. I have to be sexually immoral so that I can reach the lost. And it's okay for me to be sexually immoral because God's grace is so big. And he is coming against that heavy. Now, the other apostles after this time this was written, they came against it heavy too until Mm -hmm. John finally said, I wish they would just go mutilate themselves. (laughs) Uh, He goes, the the truth is not in them. 
Anybody, John said anybody who continues in sin after having received grace is a liar and the truth is not in them. And James is coming close to that. I mean, he's telling them, you are doomed, man. This grace is big. It is huge, but you're not, you're not seeing it right. Mm. Grace is supposed to be received and then so wonderfully thanked that you go and sin no more, that you humble yourself and you confess. Like John said, confess your sins. Now, that's a poster child scripture, too. Right. They use it for grace is big. But what John was saying was for repentance and sorrowful regret that you did sin. I made a mistake. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's what James is saying. Humble yourself, right. fall before the Lord, and be forgiven. John Grace, says that in if statement, right? If if we sin, kind of that yeah, idea. Of if like, you yeah, sin, yeah. and when we sin, yeah. and uh, all of it. It's just like it's yeah. not. In and Paul made it to where intentional sin is unforgivable. And if you would read the Bible the way I believe God intended it, and, I, you know, you choose, choose the way you believe God intended it. But I believe that the new covenant is a new agreement with man that is so vastly different from all other agreements with man. Yeah. The reason to read the old covenant is because the God in whom you come into covenant with, the God whom contract you follow, who's, he wrote the contract and you agree to it. Mm -hmm. And that God who wrote that contract, you should know him before you sign a contract with him. So this new covenant of grace, you should know him. And if you read the old covenant, your toes will cur cur curl. <laughs> you're, you're, you will pucker up, man. It is brutal. He talks about turning their children to liquid. Yeah. He talks about people melting before their bones fall to the ground. I mean, it's like, whoa, who did you make a contract with? <laughs> is he a, some bozo that you can just say, yes, I believe? Or is he someone that maybe you should look into? This grace he offers, is it a free gift of sin? Is it a free gift of debauchery, of, of sexual immorality? Or is it, if we sin, after having received grace... Mm -hmm. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And James is saying, why don't you fall on your face and be humble? Why don't you turn from your wicked ways and receive his grace instead of trampling on his grace? That's really good. He, yeah, calls us repentance. One phrase that it quotes in here uh, from, I think it's an Old Testament scripture, but if you could just explain this to us a little bit, where he says, uh, yeah. verse 5, he says, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires a spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Now, jealousy is one of those words that we're, we're kind of called not to be jealous. So what does it mean when it's talking of God being jealous? He jealously desires a spirit that he has made to dwell um, in us. What it means that God jealously, we're told not to be right. jealous, that love is not jealous. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing we do crazy. We The two words are not the same. Okay. And the quoting of one is Greek and the quoting of the other is Hebrew. Hebrew. And this one's quoting the Hebrew word. He's talking about an Old Testament that he jealously desires. And what that means is he's like married to you and doesn't want you to share someone else's bed. Wow. That's the kind of jealousy mm -hmm. that's okay. It's okay if my wife is flirting with another man and going off with him to, I can be jealous. Mm. And that is not lacking love. What the jealousy is talking about is I'm jealous that you were given gifts. Mm. 
I'm jealous that you're musical and I'm not. I'm jealous that you're smart and I'm not. I'm jealous that someone's tall and got to play in the NBA mm-hmm. when at my height, maybe I was skilled but couldn't play because I, I, I just can't mm-hmm. at my height. Um, I could be jealous, and, and that would be sin, and that would not be love. God is talking about a jealousy that is all right, like my wife's cheating on me. I'm jealous that her affection is not for me. It's for someone else. Wow. And so what he is is he doesn't want his affection that he's given to be spurned where your affection should be returned but isn't. Wow. You are going after someone else other than him, and he's jealous. He sees you going after your own flesh. He sees you going after your own life, and he's jealous because what it says is the spirit he the spirit he's trying to put inside of you. I marvel at this statement. Spirit in his spirit inside of me. Mm-hmm. This is a marvelous thing. This is crazy, folks. The holiness of God. And see, that's if you read the Bible correctly and you read the Old Covenant to know who you're in contract with and you read the New Covenant to know what the contract is before you agree to it, you're going to find out there's a holiness that what he calls holiness, he's going to put his holiness in you. Make My Father and I will make our home in you. And we will be indwelled by the Holy Spirit, his presence inside of us. My goodness, man, no matter how hard I've tried, I couldn't be holy enough for that. That just that that is remarkable. That is awe inspiring. And yet today it doesn't even raise an eyebrow. Either, yeah, Jesus lives in my heart. Wow. And that's what we teach children. We don't teach them that you can be a holy vessel. And no matter how holy you are, you can't be holy enough. And then he comes and makes you holy with his presence. OK, he made me holy. Here I sit. He's made me holy. I'm indwelled. Me and God are one. He lives in me. It is no longer my life I live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm -hmm. Jesus in me, the hope of glory. Now we got a chance for glory, right? But I decide, hey, hubba hubba ding ding. There's something walking by that I want, man. Boy, that baby's got everything and I go after it. I mean, think about it. I just took the holiness of God and squandered it on lust. I mean, that's what James is talking about. He's trying to place this holiness in you, and you're carried away by your lust, and you use it as an excuse. Your, the grace is an excuse for your lust. It's okay. It's okay. God's grace is so big that my lust can't affect it. My drunkenness can't change that. Well, yeah, yeah, it can. Wow. So he, Jesus, you know, gave everything, like, for his love for us died died for us right Right. we we see his love so uh evident in the cross and he's asking of us or he desires of us to love him back with that same kind of devotion right but we get caught up in lust and quarrels and envy and just the world's you know what the great the give up the surrender is Mm -hmm. people say well i can never be and I, I have to tell you, I can never be. I can never be holiness of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. I can never be. It states ahead of time. It tells me I will lose before I start the game. It tells me that if I start climbing this mountain of holiness, I will not reach the peak. But I'm telling you, every level of this journey is so good that whether I reach the peak or not, 
I'm going to continue to go further up and farther in. And whether I can be righteous or not, I'm not going to throw the game and say, well, I can't make it anyway, so go ahead and chase after unrighteousness. Try to be a friend to the world. No, I want to go further up, farther in every day, further up, farther in, glory to glory, line upon line, precept upon precept. I want to go for Jesus. I made a contract with God that he would forgive my sins. He said in this forgiveness of my sins that he would make his home in me, be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. My holiness comes through the Holy Spirit, and yet my body is not perfect. I'm not a friend of the world, but I also am not perfect, and I want to be. Jesus said, be holy as your Father is holy. Be perfect as your Father is perfect. Well, I'm not, but I want to be. I'm, I'm, I'm after it, and I've been after it since the day I met him. March 10th, 1975, I am after this perfection. I've been opposed, I've been argued with, I've been shouted down for saying it. No, I want to be perfect. And the promise of the word is that he will perfect us on that day. It says, it says in Corinthians, he will not stop working until he has perfected us. Wow. Last week, earlier in this book, we are, our faith is perfected by endurance. I have had to endure 47 years of being me, trying to be holy, but stuck on being me. Never once have I given in and said, oh, well, I just got to be me. No, I said, sorry, Lord, for being me. I want to be you. You're all I've ever wanted to be. There's a line in a movie called Three Musketeers where D'Artagnan is dying and <laughs> and the guard says, uh, the guard who was sided with the king in the a man in the iron mask he says, uh, uh, this D'Artagnan is all I've ever wanted to be. Hmm. I've aspired my whole life to be like this honorable musketeer who protects the king. And he's endeavored his whole life. Well, it's clear in the movie he is not D'Artagnan. He is not raised to the level of the captain of the guard. He's not that guy. But he's the top soldier in the army because he strove to be like d'artagnan he became the best and when d'artagnan passed he may have been given captainship but in real life in following jesus i have not attained i do all that i do so that on that day i might attain to that perfection of jesus christ i i have not attained but I will not give up. And that's what John, this, he's speaking to people who have rewritten the covenant, who've rewritten the, 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 the deal and given themselves over to whatever. And I don't want to do that. I want to be like that, that young soldier. That's, really good. that's all I've ever wanted to be is him. And all I've ever wanted to be in 47 years of walking with Jesus is Jesus perfect holy and him living in me i got a shot him not me me squandering it and going after selfishness and envy and wanting what everybody else has you know i don't well we we shared that uh sermon last week when you're away and uh, you know the the title of it was about raising raising the bar and you were in that you were you were sharing the story of uh your son mark with down syndrome when oh yeah in in the the uh, lawyer stories no. About the lawyers. He was he was chastising the lawyers. No, I was thinking of the school board, the the, the education plan. Yeah, I know that, but that was a sermon about the lawyers and oh, yes. so yeah, raising yes. the bar. They keep lowering the bar, yes. and everybody wants to lower the yeah. bar. 
And so what you're referring to is we have a son with Down syndrome who at a certain age here in Oroville, when we moved from Sacramento, we had a real hard time with inclusion in Sacramento. They were anti-inclusion at first, San Juan Unified School District. And then uh, we came to Oroville and they were just blindsided. They'd had a couple people try and those people were so forceful and rude and hard and pushy and hey, I get it, man. It feels like you're under behind the eight ball when you got one of these Downs kids. But Vicky and I never felt that way. We felt we've been blessed from from you know from God. And so we sat with these people around a table and what's called an individual education program. And we had to listen to each department, county this, you know, board of education that, school principal. Just we had occupational therapists. Uh, we had speech therapists. Each one got to share their thing. And we sat and listened to 10 people share, and they're all highly educated people. And they came to my turn. They'd presented to me the individual education program of Mark. And I said, I'm really sorry. First off, let me say this. Thank you for being here. Every one of you are here to try to help my son. And he wasn't even born to you. He was born to me. And I just want to tell you that my, my individual education program for my son I said, I am very grateful, and what I won't sign is what each of you have spelled out. You have used the terms, we don't want him to fail. Each one of you have used the term, we don't want him to fail. And I said, if he doesn't have the chance to fail in our program, then I won't sign it. Whatever we do here, it's going to be hard for him. He can, he's going to be able to fail. And in fact, he might even fail many times. But we will keep that bar just barely out of his reach. If he can do threes, multiplication by three, then we'll start on fours. And whatever he can't do, then we'll start on it. And whenever he gets comfortable with fours and it's just super easy for him, we're giving him fives. And if you can agree to that, in every aspect of this education program, we keep moving the bar out of his reach to make him grow, to make him have to reach for the next level. He has to try to succeed, and if he doesn't, he fails. And if you design a program like that, I'll sign it tomorrow. I don't care if he ever learns his multiplication. I don't care if he ever learns to read, write, or arithmetic. But whatever he can do, I want to make sure he can do. And so if he never is able then we'll move on to something else and we'll, we'll keep stretching him. I want him to learn how to stand in line. I want him to learn how to get on a bus and sit still. I want him to learn how to socially interact with, with normal people. I want him to go to school with his brothers and sisters. And I want him just to, you know, and if you'll help me do this, I'll sign this program. And they were just, they gave me a ovation, you know, like, because they've been dealing with this, this side of it that's take away the child's right to fail. And I said, no, isn't how we do it. Now, Mark is such an outstanding individual that no matter what size the program is he goes to or what he does in a, in a, in a system where he'll go to a program and there'll be a bunch of Downs kids, Downs people, and, and the leaders will always tell me he's the most exceptional Downs person they've ever dealt with. He has a personality. He has he has care. He's able to he he has super selfishness. I mean, he is so he gets locked onto pizza or a hamburger or a hot dog, man, and he'll drive you crazy. He'll drive you over the wall. But he is able to be corrected and told no. He's able to be you know shown the way that is unrighteousness and back off. He's able to drop the chilup and back away from the line because he was taught that that you sometimes you have to deny your flesh. And he was taught that because the education program that we gave him was raise the bar. 
When he can get the bar, that's great. Let him hold it a minute, let him succeed, and then move the bar. I think that is a real great picture of uh, grace and repentance, right? Yeah. In that grace comes in and covers us when we're reaching for a bar and we cannot reach it. But um, we, you know, we have to, grace is the bit that empowers us to take that next step up, right? I think that's just a a picture of how grace uh, and repentance work in our lives. You know, we're reaching for that bar that's just out of reach, and grace is the bit that covers the gap when we miss the mark, right? As opposed to, I feel like some of the messages today of maybe hyper-grace say, well, you don't even have to reach for the bar anymore because his grace covers you. All done on the cross. And it's that there's, I think we need that bar to be the standard of Jesus as perfection, right? So that we keep reaching to come higher and higher and higher because there's, there's never a point where I can rest on my laurels if he is the, That's right. the standard. I think it's ridiculous that we have to say this, but James wrote this after the cross. Yeah. Right. Of course, I mean, if grace, was, if grace covered everything, if it was all done on the cross, there's nothing left for me to do. Then what did he write all this for? I mean, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. There's right motives. Mm-hmm. Motives affect the promise of Jesus Christ. You spend you spend what you try to get from God on your pleasure mm-hmm. instead of spending what you try to get from God on his pleasure. Yeah. It's crazy how seldom people talk yeah. about doing things for his pleasure. In my life, I have tried to teach. Like my, I have a daughter who is a world-class athlete who played basketball and reached really high levels. And, you know, it, we knew when she started getting autographs, people asking for autographs from a little girl, children following her out of gymnasiums, asking for her autograph because of how amazing right. she was. We knew this is going to be a trip on her head, man. This is going to be tough. Should we just stop basketball? Should we stop her from going? Or could we teach her a better way? And I really think I about half succeeded in the press because the world was so, so heavy on her. They came after her, recruiting her from colleges all over America. Hundreds and hundreds of letters. Come here, come there. It's a trip on her head. And... I kept going in her room and sitting down and saying, this is what we have to attain. Mm. We don't want to choose based on the program that's going to make you famous. We don't want to choose based on the program that fits you best for basketball. We want to choose based on what program that fits you best for the pleasure of God in your life. Where can you play for his pleasure? And I think that she fought for that because I think she believed her dad. And she fought for the right to enjoy basketball through the pleasure of God. And I think she failed at a great deal of it, and I think she succeeded at a great deal of it. But it's a trippy thing to be on ESPN and make a buzzer shot to go to the Elite Eight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to go to the final eight teams in the country and be the one that hit the shot as the buzzer's going off and the ball's going off. And then everybody's writing from all over the country. I saw that on ESPN, you know. It's a trippy thing, you know. And um, she handled it 
fairly well. And I don't, I, with that much power, that much pressure coming against her, honestly, she handled it very mm -hmm. well. And uh, we had her here as a pastor on our staff for a really long time. She's a genius and she's not about basketball anymore. She's about the kingdom of heaven. And she, so she escaped from being pressed into where Satan really dwells. Mm -hmm. She went into American universities. She played in women's sports and she was heralded, applauded, sought after and loved for that role in the world. And she came out of it to say, no, I want Jesus. I want my husband. I want my children. And she didn't have any then. Immediately found her husband. Immediately started having babies with him, you know, after, the, after their marriage. <laughs> and, um, um, and they've got three beautiful babies. And they're in ministry down in Arizona. But we got to keep them here for 10 years at least. I mean, it's just phenomenal that people that smart shouldn't be here with me. Uh, and they are brilliant. They are yeah. highly educated, brilliant people who really uh, have seen what you can be a basketball player and feel his pleasure in what you do. And that, I think, is what James said. Why don't you spend it on his pleasure instead of your pleasure? That's good. That's really good. And just uh, the other thing I wanted to touch touch on before we before we close today is, I I think it's maybe a couple of years ago now you had I think you, you were on a trip and the Lord spoke to you about uh, repentance and kind of given it a, a maybe a slightly different definition than the one we we think of right so when when uh, James is calling us toward the end you know to to um, submit to God and resist the devil and to draw near to him and he'll draw near to you to like really come into that mournful place like it, it's not so much just that oh i'm so i feel bad for what i did but you, you kind of had a, a, a download of maybe some depth that could you share on that so in so in my conversation with god there a couple years ago he said we lacked repentance and when you read this here's what james says cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double-minded be miserable and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Now, this is what he's talking about there. People claiming to believe in Jesus Christ who live in sin. My church almost never and on a Sunday morning is there not at least one couple and sometimes three or four that live together outside marriage. And that's what he's talking about. You should, bow, you should turn your joy into mourning. You should be weeping in sorrow, even in shameful repentance, sorrowful repentance for your sin. You claim you know Jesus died for your sin, and you're treating it like that. You claim you've experienced grace, and you're treating it like that. And so that's what James is talking about. But when I was praying in the Lord, I said, Lord, why, why isn't there more Book of Acts churches? And he said, you lack repentance. And I said, repentance, like how sorry we are for our sins, I know I fall short of you, but I'm not always aware of where I sin. I try really hard to sin no more. I actually, in my life, intend to sin no more. And it was really clear that what the Lord was telling me, that whether even if I have no knowledge of a sin in my life, I still am, fall short of his glory. But he wasn't talking about the shameful, sorrowful, weeping, mourning, um, miserable, <laughs> weeping repentance. He was talking about the idea, the understanding in my heart that he is huge and I am not. 
And I thought about David, the king of Israel, when he was a boy to when he was a man to the end of his days. What David saw better than anyone else that's ever written anything. So, I mean, other people might have seen better, but we only know about David because of what's written, right? And the person most wrote about that we know saw God better than anyone else is King David, David of Israel. What he did best was saw God. And the reason you should read the Old Testament is to see God. David saw splendor and wonder. But man, when he was caught in sin, holy moly. And when he wrote about God, he wrote about his shame even standing in his sight. Even just you looking at me makes me ashamed. Even when David hadn't sinned, David said, your presence makes me feel little. And so God was telling me that what the Father's house lacks is a repentant heart that is aware every moment of every day. First thought in the morning when I wake up, first thought, last thought as my head hits the pillow and I have one or two more conscious thoughts should be about how great he is and how lacking I am, how powerful in my life he is and how unable I am. How much he can do and how little I can do. That he will do nothing without me, that's true. But I can do nothing without him. And all of these feelings that we all know are true. Everyone listening to this that knows God says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's what we're lacking in our daily thinking. It's what we lack in in our daily prayer. It's what we're lacking in our daily worship. So I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But we need, you know, you are great, like David says. You are the morning star. You are the, the glory. The most beautiful things on earth don't come close to your glory. The stars in the skies are nothing to you. The mountains are your footstools. And all those things, we can say all those things. But I think there's a knowledge of, but I am like an ant under your foot, man. I am like, I mean, I don't know why you don't crush me, but you don't. I don't know why you don't hate me, but you don't. I don't know why you don't want me to be destroyed, but you don't. For I have fallen short of your glory, and I, have, I am wretched, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked as I am. I come to you who is merciful and kind and gracious. And there's this repentance that is just an acknowledgement of his greatness, his power, his is magnanimous grace and love towards us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and that is not a bumper sticker that is something that our life should reflect 24 7 365 three score 10 we should be projecting this incredible God of honor and grace and power and wonder and the beauty of his majesty and feeling like we don't even belong here on this earth. We don't fit his creation. That's what we should feel. And we come before him only to be swept up in his arms and loved, swept up in his arms and comforted. And that's what he's saying the, the, the definition of repentance, when I said repentance, like, I'm so sorry for my sin. I don't know how to be sorrier, you know. And I, I even try not to sin. I really try not to sin. I want to not sin. And then, he, yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your understanding of who I am. I think that, although James is talking about that I'm sorry for my sin thing, I think if we look at the first part of the passage with this idea of, 
um, you know, we're we're pursuing the wrong things, we're looking after the wrong things. I think if we if we get that image that you're describing of, of God in our lives, it will cause us to give him the the reverence and the honor and the the love that he deserves, right? Because we it's hard to if we see him like that and we ha- we approach him from that place of humility and understanding of who he is. It's pretty it's hard to then be envious and murderous and <laughs> quarrelsome because mm-hmm. we, we you know we want him right. so I, I think i think that's uh a good point for us to land the plane for today but just this you know this is a passage that i don't think anybody can read and say i'm good i think you have to you know we read it and we're convicted of those places where maybe i maybe i am desiring the wrong things maybe i am envious maybe i am this maybe you know and it it, it causes us to look at our hearts and to want to respond well to him so to our listeners i just encourage you to to talk to jesus on this you know draw draw near to him and repent if you need to repent and recommit your heart if you need to recommit your heart because he 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 desires you he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in you and let's let's respond well to that so thank you again for joining us today um to remind you again that we have a new a semester of our school transformation starting uh in september and our school transformation light as well and if you're interested in learning more about our message and what we do then that is available to you in person and there are online options so please just visit uh, transformationschool.org or you can email us directly at uh, uncommon truth podcast at gmail.com and we'd love to connect with you thank you amen Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Truth Podcast today. I hope this episode encouraged you, inspired you, maybe even challenged you to keep seeking after everything Jesus has for you and the life he calls you to live. If you haven't already, please take a moment and subscribe to the Uncommon Truth Podcast. That way you'll get every episode each week when it's released. It would really help us if you could rate and review and even share this podcast with anyone that you think would be encouraged by it. Help us spread the message to more people so that we can all live out this Christianity the way Jesus intended it to be. If you would like to get in touch with us, have any questions about the podcast, the topics, or even like us to pray for you, you can do so by emailing us at uncommontruthpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.